Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. A couple of things I want to share before we jump into the message this morning. First of all, I am wearing this particular outfit for a very specific reason. Uh, Micah mentioned teams as a way to get to know one another. Uh, Yesterday, a team of us uh, joined the Beverly Heights big tent event over at No Frills uh, in that area, and we served seven to 800 chicken halal hot dogs. There was a great crowd. And getting to know each other and seeing how we work together uh, was great. But it was also great to get to see the diversity of Beverly and to be able to be a smiling face, a welcoming face, an encouragement in that environment was great. And as these things come along, one of the things we as a church want to be is the church adjacent, the church alongside the community. Whoa, I'm sounding strange. But we want to be that. And I take this from uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, where Jeremiah is talking, and uh, Jeremiah wrote a letter. He wrote a letter to people in exile. Remember back when we did 1 Peter, we were people in a broken world? Jeremiah 29, verse 7 says, Work for the peace and the prosperity of the city, for uh, I sent you to. Pray to the Lord for it, for it is well, its welfare will determine your welfare. There's something about our willingness to come alongside the community around us and participate with them and be known and let them know us and us to know them. And then in my message this morning and what was shared this morning even by Christina, this whole idea of God being present in us and working through us our hearts, our love, God being present to push through us, touching the community. These are the ways that we penetrate our world. This is the way we make a difference. The second thing I'd like to draw your attention to is the crisis that our country is in with fires. Uh, Brenda and I had lived in Fort McMurray for a number of years. When the fire of Fort McMurray happened, we had friends come down, stay with us. We spread them out around the community. Uh, The pastor from the church up there uh, connected with Beulah. They arranged to bring the community of faith together to pray and worship together. Well, that's happening again for the Northwest Territories. Uh, Brenda and I were out for supper with uh, her parents, and uh, the table next to us was a couple from the Northwest Territories, for sure. And uh, they're displaced. So be aware of the people around you have opportunity to talk to them, offer to pray for them, their circumstances. Pray for the pastors that lead churches up there. They're trying to shepherd their flocks wherever they are. The pastor from the Alliance Church has moved down to Calgary to be with people down there that he knows. So be praying for them that God would work in that. Let's take a moment right now to pray. Father, we thank you for your presence, your people that are everywhere. And whether it be the Northwest Territories, Lord, or Kelowna, or Kamloops, or wherever else there are fires, 
Lord, we know that your people are present, and we pray that you would be present in them to strengthen them in the inner person, that they would see opportunity to allow you to flow through them, meet them in their need, but then through them, Lord, reach out and touch others. And Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, those around us, Lord, that might be struggling. And I pray, Lord, that you'd give us a boldness to talk to them, to welcome them, to pray for them, so that your kingdom would come, your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And then finally, the last announcement is about Aiden Ross. Uh, some of you know Aiden. He has served uh, with the youth ministry team for the last three years. He's a student at Vanyard College. Uh, he has one more year to go. And uh, after talking with the team that served with him, some of the staff who know him, reaching out and talking to his references to find out that he is a man called of God, a passion for serving, caring for youth, we've invited him to be our youth coordinator. And he'll be starting at the beginning of September. And so, yes. <clears throat> when he comes in the beginning of September, I want to make sure that you're prepared to embarrass him like you embarrassed me when I started here. We want to make sure he feels welcome, that this is a place of safety for him, a place of support and encouragement. But be praying for him. He's finishing up an internship at a church down in Calgary. I talked to the staff there, and they were just so excited to have him be a part of them. And he's growing and being strengthened in his service and ministry. And we're blessed to have him come here. Let's take a look. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 13. And we're going to take a look at this passage that is about Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. I got to say that this passage of Scripture <clears throat> is probably one of the ones that challenged me the most when I was a teenager, when I was growing up. We're going to tackle those verses. Those are verses 13, or 12, 13, and 14 at the, in the middle of chapter 14. But we're going to start here in chapter 13 and look at the setting of this passage because it starts back here. So, dear children, he says, I will be with you only a little longer, and as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you, will, you can't come where I'm going. And then he makes this direction. So now I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Goes down to verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, I would have told you, and I'm going to prepare, told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. So when everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with, with me where I am. I like that part. I've told you I'm preparing a place for you, and when it's ready, I'm going to come and get you. That's true for us today. So the setting was Jesus announcing that he was leaving. And that's why he went on to talk to them and say, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is a a moment for the uh, disciples to grapple with what does it mean for Jesus to be going. 
And so the setting was one of announcement, of departure, but also then it raised a lot of questions. And so the first question was asked by Peter. Peter goes, let me take a look. Lord, where are you going? He asks, where are you going? And then he goes on to say, I would like to go with you. I can go with you. I can go even now. And it is in this moment that Jesus challenges Peter about his relationship and about who he is. Because, you see, Peter was willing to go. He says, I will even die with you. And Jesus' response was, really, Peter? Do you think so? You need to know that before the cock crows three times in the morning, you're going to deny me. You see, sometimes the questions we ask of God also give opportunity for God to speak into our hearts and challenge us about who we are and where we're at. When you're asking questions, are you listening for God's answer? Or are you afraid to hear what he has to say to you? There's many times I've made some comments in my devotions. I'm praying, reading scripture, thinking about something, and I ask a question about serving him. And he'll go, do you think you're really ready? What about this? What about that? When you ask questions of the Lord, you have to be prepared to hear the answers. And they're not always yes and amen. They're sometimes challenges to who we are. And they're challenges about our relationship with him. So Jesus answered him. So then he did go on and say, don't let your hearts be troubled. I think he spoke that to the disciples in general, but I think he also picked on Peter at that point. I mean, let's face it. If your spouse challenged you, would you, uh, how would you feel? I know there are times when Brenda has challenged me about something I've done, my relationship with her. She said, do you really believe that? Is that really how you think? And all of a sudden, I'm going through it. I'm working it through. And there's often when Brenda says, don't worry, I still love you, but this is something we need to work through. That's the way the Lord is, right? He is not satisfied to let us go on and believe something that isn't true. You ask a question, he answers the question. Sometimes he answers in a way that makes you go, oh, do I really love God with my whole being? Am I willing to do whatever he asks me to do? And so that's the first question that was asked. It didn't go exactly as Peter had hoped, and it certainly challenged him. The second question is the one that Thomas asks. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then he goes on to say, and you know uh, the way to where I'm going. And Thomas goes, really? We don't know the way, Lord. What is the way? And it's in response to this question that Jesus makes this declaration. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And sometimes we forget How complete, consuming is the presence of Jesus or that he wants to be in our lives. He wants to be the focus. He wants to be the one that guides us into the very presence of God himself, the Father. 
He wants to be one that takes us in every circumstance and lead us to the truth of what's happening in that relationship. He is the one that wants to show you the way to live your life in the day-to-day, moment-to-moment realities. Right? And so when he makes this statement, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, he is challenging his disciples to keep their attention on him. The third question is by Philip. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, for you have seen him. Philip made the mistake of saying, really, God, Jesus? Show us the Father. You've said we've seen you? Show him to us. And Jesus turned to Philip and said, you don't know me? You've been with me all this time? And you don't see the Father? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. This is a repeated theme throughout all of our time in John. If there's anything about the Gospel of John that is clear, is that Jesus' heart was to reveal the Father. You see, we have skewed ideas of who the Father is. And part of it is because we take the Bible and we read a little bit here and we try to understand it just in that little place. Or we take a little bit here and in this place we try to understand what the Bible is saying. But we don't take time to sort of figure out what the whole Scripture is saying. And what is the center of all the Scripture? Well, Jesus declared it this time. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the starting point. He is the beginning. He is the foundations of how we understand Scripture. And when we read anywhere in the Bible, if it doesn't line up with what we believe or understand Jesus to be, then we have to take a look at it and say, what is it really saying to us? Why is it there? Because at the core of it is Jesus Christ. This is probably one of the, uh, my pet peeves with uh, the English translations of the Bible. Your Bible is probably just like mine. It has a section, and it gives you a little caption. This is what the section's about. Then there's another section that has a caption. This is what the section's about. <clears throat> Back in the day, in Ephesians chapter 5, you're reading through the chapter, and you get down to verse 20, and it says, uh, Be submitted to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then there's a catch, caption that says, Household Laws. It says different things in different books. And the very next verse is, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. And I used to read that as, I would just read starting at verse 21. Rather than recognizing that verse 20 actually was the introduction to verse 21. Because you see in the King James, it was divided between 20 and 21. It happens over and over again. There's all kinds of places in the Bible where the sectioning the dividing of the scriptures, the chapters, break up the conversation. And sometimes if you just read the chapter, you miss out what was going before. It happened in this passage, chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. That's how chapter 14 starts. But you have to go back to chapter 13, verse 33, to understand that it is about this declaration. I'm going away. You won't be able to follow me. So don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will return so you can be with me where I am. You see, chapter 13 through 14, there's a flow. And that's what we want to maintain. We want to have this sense of Jesus at the core, Jesus at the center of things. So, we've taken a look a little bit at three questions. Now let's take a look at the comfort. This starts at verse 12. And these are the verses that uh, challenged me in my early days. They probably challenge you because when I read them, you're going to go, oh yeah, I remember these. Verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I am going to the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it for you. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. As a young person, I stopped right there. I go, ask for anything and you'll do it? I knew that wasn't true because I knew that if I asked for a Ferrari, I wouldn't get it. There was a number of things I knew I wouldn't get if I asked for it. So then I started reading it, and I realized that there's this little phrase, if you ask for anything in my name, in other words, associated with who I am, my purposes, my intentions, then you will get it. So that made a little bit more sense. But if you go back a little bit, it also says, you're going to do even greater things than I did. I go, hold on. Where does that come from? What's that about? And you see, this is one of those places where the division in my Bible caused me to stop. If you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. But if you go on to verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and now and later you, he, will be, you will be, he will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. That's the conclusion of this conversation. I am leaving. I'm going away. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You need to know that I am not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, another advocate, one to be alongside you. And this is the rhythm of this passage. How can greater things happen? Well, here's the greater things. I'm not sure I, we can do better than raising from the dead. Someone dead four days, come along, raise them from the dead. I don't think we're greater that way because we're talking about Jesus Christ, the Lord of all the earth. But the greater thing is the reality is, is that you will have the Holy Spirit in you, each one of you. You see, when Jesus was on this earth, he was alongside a group of people and not always together. And so the influence and the presence of God in their lives was momentary based on his presence. But you want to know something? He's present in all of us today. He is present in all of us today by the Holy Spirit. So here's a couple of application verses. 
first one is later on in John. John chapter 14, verse 23. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our homes with each of them. There's the promise. Are you aware that not only the Holy Spirit is present in you, but the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit are present with you? You have the architect of this earth present with you. You have the person who demonstrates what it means to live in relationship to the architect present with you. You have the Holy Spirit present, the one who empowers us to do all that Jesus wants us to do because the Father has directed it. This morning as we were singing, uh, the verse from John chapter 5, verse 16 came to mind because the song we were singing, I'm not really good with lyrics. I just remember parts of them. Sorry about that. I'm not really sorry. It's just the way it is. <laughs> but the reality is this. Jesus said, the Father is always working, and so am I. John 5, 16. He is always working. Are you aware of that around you? Are you looking and saying, God, what are you doing today? Because the architect, the Father, is always working. Jesus is always present in some way to guide us and direct us. The Holy Spirit lives in us and empowers us. In other words, there's no reason for us not to become aware of what God is doing, and there's no reason for us not to step forward and embrace what He is doing and do it with Him. That's why yesterday was significant. It was an opportunity to be amongst the neighborhood. And I want to encourage you, as these opportunities come, as a church, uh, we are planning on, uh, it's been a part of your practice to be a part of the interagency uh, group that looks over or watches over Beverly. And uh, Rob Chartron was a part of that on a regular basis. As Shem was part of our ministries here, he was a part of that. Mike is going to take up that responsibility. And we're looking for opportunities to be the church adjacent, to come alongside. Why? Because we recognize that if we are not engaged with our community, we won't see where God is working. But if we come alongside and we engage with it, and we see people where they are at, we start to see their needs. I saw families yesterday that... They came through, they had three or four kids. They came through three or four times taking extra hot dogs. Why? Because they were poor. And as we connect with these people and walk alongside them, we're going to see opportunities to be present for them, representing Jesus, the heart of the Father, under the power of the Holy Spirit. This last week, we put it on Realm. We had opportunity, somebody from Nigeria got a scholarship to study at the University of Alberta, and circumstances meant that they were going to have a hard time finding a place to live. So they reached out to a number of churches, and uh, so I did some background checks on them, uh, checked with the university to make sure they were coming to the university. 
check them up on Facebook. Social media has some good uh, aspects to it. You can sort of figure out who people are. And then we reached out and talked to them and made a decision. We, Brenda and I both had a sense between the two of us that this was someplace where we could engage. And so we engaged. We let you know through Realm. Those of you who prayed for that, thank you. We reached out to a number of other people that we know. And one of them, we told her, what, in the morning? By the afternoon, she had a number of options for places to live. Tia was fully committed. She engaged her whole community alongside her. And this couple is going to arrive in September and probably have a place to land with their family. Isn't that great? That's God working. That's God doing through us what he wants to have happen. Are we tuned? Are we tuned to the right channel? Are we listening to see where God is at work? The other verse is Psalm 34, or 37, verse 4. This is an interesting verse. We use it quite often, Brenda and I, because it says that take delight in the Lord and he will give you your desires, or heart's desires. Uh, this is, again, it's not exactly, I want a Ferrari, please give it to me. Give me the desires for that. But more so, it is the, actually the word give there, if he will impart, he will place in you your heart's desires. So it could be he will give you what you want, but more importantly, he probably will change your desires, the direction of them. Because you see, it starts with, Take delight in the Lord. And delighting in the Lord really has to do with being eager to please Him. Being eager to know Him. Delighting in somebody is about giving yourself to them. I delight in Brenda. And because of that, we have a relationship of trust. And I know when she wants her coffee in the morning, I get it for her. <laughs> Not because it's a chore, but because I delight in her. I delight to please her. The same is true in our relationship with God. Do you delight in him? Are you eager to know him and to be known by him? See, this is what Jesus was about. When you go back to chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, there he said, greater things will you do than I have done because I go to my Father. And I will do whatever you ask so that my Father would be glorified. There it is. You see, Jesus' focus was on pleasing the Father. It wasn't his heart's desire. It was his Father's. And so when we take delight in the Lord, it's being aware of his desires, understanding how he is working and pursuing that. I did a little word study, by the way. I, the word delight is an interesting word. So I thought, well, let's check it out, see what it says. You won't believe it. It is translated most often delicate. How is delicate and delight tied together? Isn't that a good question? But you want to know something? You need to realize that being delightful is this soft joy. How would you define it? Anybody have a better definition of it? Soft eagerness to know. This gentleness. 
R.T. Kendall, in his book, The Sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, starts with this little story. Sorry, I didn't check up the story, so I'm not going to get it 100% right, but I'll get the main points. This couple were called to be missionaries in Israel. And so they prepared themselves, and it was quite a task. If you've traveled internationally like some of you have, lived, moved your households internationally, you know the difficulty that that creates. And so they worked hard, and they sold everything, and they got themselves ready, and they decided what they would take, and they got to Israel, and they got this little place they rented, and they moved in. And you got to know that when you travel internationally and you make a big decision like that, you're looking for any indicator that God is present. You've heard him maybe, you've trusted him, but all the toil that you go through creates this unsettledness. And when you arrive at the other end, you're just looking and saying, okay, Lord, is this really you? Is this where we're supposed to be? So this couple moved into their house. And as they're moving in their furniture and all the little stuff that they had there, they looked up and they realized there was a dove that was nesting in the corner of their house. And they just had a sense that that was a, pre a sign that the Holy Spirit was present with them. And so they took joy in that, and they just said, thank you, Lord, for this indicator, this simple indicator that you're blessing this move. But, you know, the stress of moving, it doesn't always result in good communication in the home. And so the wife got upset with the husband about something, and they yelled at each other a little bit. And uh, he went out the door, and when he went out the door, he noticed that the dove was gone. Three or four days before the dove came back. Things were settled and calm, and something happened, and there was an upset in the house again, and he went out, and the dove was gone again. The sensitivity of the Holy Spirit in our lives is like that. When our lives are disturbed, unsettled, there's tension in our families. How can the Spirit settle? Now, we know that this is God Almighty, and He is present in us. But His sensitivity is such that when we, our lives are disrupted, we don't, aren't able to hear Him because of His sensitive Spirit. So when it says, take delight in the Lord, and it ties it to being delicate, I want you to reflect on how your relationship with each other makes space for a sensitive spirit to be present and speaking to you. The third verse I want to take a look at is Galatians 2.20. This is my life verse, and there are many times I wish it wasn't. Because look at it. My old self has been crucified with Christ. I got to tell you that I crawl off that cross on a regular basis. I am not fully devoted. I'm working towards it. But it's hard. It is no longer I who live in this earthly body, but it is Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is a hard one. But this is the reality of what Jesus is calling us to. Letting go of our own agendas our own needs sometimes, trusting him to fulfill those needs. <clears throat> I like to escape occasionally. Brenda and I like to escape occasionally to watch a little bit of Netflix, some series. And sometimes they are, they're just 
moments of peace and rest and change of venue. But have you noticed this about series? So we'll choose, uh, oh, uh, one, a sweet magnolia. Some of you ladies probably have listened to it. A few of you guys have looked over your wife's shoulder at that one. Uh, that's one. Another one is the Lincoln Lawyer. That's more my style, so Brenda looks over my shoulder for that one. But these are series that build throughout, right? You know when I have a problem with them? When I go to bed and it's still in my mind and I'm trying to figure out how they're going to solve the problem. When it takes over my mind and keeps me from meditating on Jesus. When it keeps me from wondering what Jesus would have me do next. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And I want to encourage you. I want to see God do greater things amongst us, through us. He is the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. So are you allowing him in you and through you to touch the world around you? Because that's what we're called to. John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I have sent you an advocate, one to be with you, who will guide you and lead you. And if you obey him, the Father and I will come and live with you and be present with you all the time. That's what we're aiming for. That's what I'm aiming for. I pray that's what you're aiming for. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that calls us forward, that invites us into something more. And Lord, I pray that you, by your Spirit, would awaken in each of us a clear sense that you are way maker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That's who you are. I missed one, didn't I? Miracle worker, yeah, thank you. So Father, we thank you that that's who you are. And we want you to be present in our lives in that way. Father, come and meet us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.